Everyone has a favorite Christmas song, but do you ever stop and reflect what these songs' root is from the Bible? In this series of messages, the songs of Christmas, journey through these songs of praise and adoration that are in the Bible and learn more about the true meaning of Christmas. Turn your Bibles, if you would, to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 this morning in your Bibles today. Luke chapter 2 in your Bibles today. We'll pick up in verse number We've been in the middle of a series of messages around Christmas called the Songs of Christmas, and we've listened to different people in the book of Luke spontaneously respond to the announcement of Christ's birth. We looked our first Sunday at Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, and we looked at the song that paralleled her song of praise, um, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. And then the next Sunday, we looked at her husband, Zacharias, and we looked at the wonderful old spiritual, Go Tell It on the Mountain. And then last week, we looked at Mary and her song, and what a joy that that was. And today, I'm excited to look at the angels and talk about the song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. If you found your Bible in Luke chapter 2, would you draw your attention to verse number 8, where the Bible says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angels said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, the angels were gone away from them into heaven. And the shepherds said one to another, let us go now even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known unto us. If you're wondering what an angel is this morning, it's uh, more than something that you're touched by if you're from the 80s. It's more than a kind of a crotchety old wise dude on the, uh, It's a Wonderful Life. An angel simply means messenger. Now, an angel we know in the Bible is a supernatural being that's created by God to deliver a message from God to his people. So they're a messenger. We see that in the Bible. That is their, if you will, their primary mission is to be a messenger. That's actually what the word means. But we know as well in the Bible that they are warriors. There are times when they did battle in the Bible and they're still doing battle uh, even to this day. The Bible talks about spiritual wickedness going on and angels fighting uh, the forces of evil in our world and we read about them being warriors. We also understand that angels are protectors. They are defenders. The Bible says in Psalm 91:11, for he shall give his angels charge over thee or responsibility over you to Keep thee in all the ways, in all thy ways. There's so much about angels that I want to talk about, but I made a commitment to be done quickly today. So my sermon notes were 16 pages, which I can already tell you, 16 pages means about 56 minutes. 
I can tell you. So I parsed them down to 15 pages, which now means like 25 or 30 minutes. No, uh, I parsed them down to, I don't know, eight pages. And, and so there's so much that I want to say, but I made a commitment because it's Christmas Day and I really want you to enjoy your family this morning. And I want to draw our attention to our text today. And we're just going to dive right in to these wonderful protector warrior angels. But in this text, they're focused on being a messenger for the message God wanted his people to hear. And I want you to notice verse number 9 and 10, the first part, 9 and 10a, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the verse number 10, and the angel said unto them. I want you to notice the assignment they had for Christmas, the assignment the angels had for Christmas. God sent his angels to share the news of his coming arrival for those who needed to know. That's their assignment. It's, it's fundamentally that simple. What all were they supposed to do? Well, they were supposed to tell people that the King of Kings and Lord of Lords is coming. Now, this has really big implications because for 400 plus years, about 420 years, roughly, God had been silent. A prophet hadn't spoken a word had not come from heaven to earth in 400 plus years. It had been, the, it's what we call the intertestament period, a, a time between the Old and the New Testament when God had just been silent and no word from the Lord had, ever, had been spoken. Imagine not hearing from God for 400 plus years. Now think of this for a minute. You're like, I don't know what that would be like if you're a Christian because we have God's word and we come to church and they certainly had the Old Testament and they, they had the uh, priest who would preach to them. But man, they were looking for the coming Messiah. They were looking for a fresh voice from God. They didn't have the Holy Spirit in their life to minister and speak grace into their life. They had nothing going on ostensibly for 400 years. I don't know if you've ever been in a place in your life when it's been quiet and when you're when in your life, you're wondering if you'll ever hear a word from the Lord and you're wondering if you'll ever hear God speak into your life. And, and I don't know about you, but I feel bad when I go through those periods for like a couple of weeks. Like when I come to church and I don't hear from the Lord and I'm like, man, what is wrong? I know God is speaking. How come Chris Chadwick's not hearing from the Lord? Other people are. How come I'm not? Imagine that your great, great, great grandfather hadn't heard from the Lord, your grandfather, your father, and you hadn't heard from the Lord 400 years. I mean, this is a major event, first time 400 years that God speaks. This is their assignment for Christmas. God says something, and these angels found great joy in sharing the message that God wanted sent. Now, I don't know about you. I love children. I don't always like working with children in big groups. I'm a small group children. Why? Because I have adult humor now, and I don't know how to make them laugh. But one of the things that I love about working with kids is you can get them to volunteer to do the weirdest things. If you've never worked with kids, um, it's a special calling. 
But you can get kids to do the weirdest thing. And if you really get them pumped up, you ask for a volunteer and you could have 50 kids in the room and they're all jumping out of their seat, raising their hand. Me, 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 me. I mean, they just want, I can imagine in my mind that God says, hey, I've got a message to tell the world about the Messiah. I don't think it happened this way, but it happened this way in my mind. And God says something like this. Hey, somebody needs gonna go and tell the world that Jesus is gonna be born. Who? wants to do it. I can imagine that every one of the angels in angel school that day were jumping up and down. I'll be that guy. I'll do it. I'll tell the story. Let me go. Let me go. Let me go. Man, they were pumped to share the story that Jesus is coming. You know, like angels, we've been sent to tell others about Jesus and the meaning of Christmas. And, and we have something on the angels that the angels don't have. We know Jesus in a way they would never know him. The angels knew Jesus as Lord, as God, as creator. We know Jesus as Lord and Savior. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 1, verse number 1, that which we have heard from the beginning, which, we, uh, which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled the word of life. When John the apostle in his old age talks about Jesus, he, he says this, we've seen him, we've heard him, and we've felt him, we've touched him. We've touched him as Savior and Lord. And his words had the word of life. You know, angels don't need the word of life. They don't. Why? Angels don't need to be saved. They're never lost. I get to experience and you get to experience salvation. We know Jesus in a personal way that no angel could ever fully understand. The Bible goes on to tell us that when we know Jesus in a personal way, Paul talks about it this way in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 12, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. We understand something about Jesus Christ, and that is that I know whom I've believed and I'm persuaded, I'm fully convinced that he is able to keep my salvation. I just want us to understand something, that the assignment the angels had for Christmas to share the story is not dissimilar from the assignment that you and I have, as Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 20, that we are ambassadors for Christ. It's not dissimilar from our assignment to share the gospel as well. What a wonderful opportunity this is. We see the assignment of Christmas. We see the announcement of Christmas, verses 10 and 11. And the angel said unto them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, the Savior, which is Christ the Lord. So what was the announcement that preceded the praise of verse number 13? The announcement was, I've got good tidings, and the good tidings are, first, guys, you don't need to fear. Their message was one that alleviated fear and increased joy. It alleviated fear and increased joy. 
I've talked to so many people over the years that say things like this, Pastor, I'd accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, but I'm afraid what God might ask me to do. If that's you here today, let me stop and tell you this. You need not be afraid of Jesus. He's not come to make you afraid or to bring you bad things. He's come to give you joy and a life that is abundant. That's, That's who Jesus is. Their message was, was one that alleviated fear. Now, listen, I don't fault the shepherds. We talked about them last night on Christmas Eve. I don't fault the shepherds. If I'm watching sheep and angels come from heaven and start talking to me, I'm wigged out. I've got problems. I'm worried. Why are these angels talking to me? I'm not even sure they're angels to begin with, but they identify themselves as angels. And their message is, hey, don't be afraid. And they came with this fundamental thought, this fundamental reality, this wonderful announcement. Don't be afraid. I've come to talk to you about joy. And here's where the joy is. The joy is in the person of Jesus Christ. One author said this, that the chief mark of a Christian should be the absence of fear and the presence of joy. The absence of fear and the presence of joy. As I read that this week, I was gripped by the fact that so often I live in fear. The Christmas season is often a very fearful time. My uh, a wife and I deal with people on a regular basis who are captivated by fear. Some of you here this morning, your life is, is controlled and captivated by fear. What's going to happen tomorrow? How's this person going to respond to me? What's going on in my life? What about the next diagnosis? What about the next problem? What about my health? What about my parents' health? What about the economy? Is, is inflation going to continue to go up? Could we get somebody else in political power? Could this happen? Will the service go longer than 45 minutes like pastor promised I'm scared we're just controlled so often by fear young people are worried about what what college am I going to go to am I going to go to college can I get into college having not studied one minute my entire high school career we're fearful but that's not the spirit God has given us God has given us a heart of joy. The spirit of God's spirit of God produces joy. The fruit of the spirit is love and joy and peace. You see the angels wanted to make that announcement. They wouldn't understand this. That Jesus, look at verse number 10, the end of it, which shall be to all people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Now, you'd have to be really decent at grammar, which I was really good at um, asking for help. But the Savior is the one who has come to all people. I'm not messing with the scripture, but that's what it means. He's a Savior for all people. Not for a select group. Jesus isn't your savior because of where you're from. Jesus isn't your savior because of the color of your skin. Jesus isn't a savior because of how much money you have. Jesus is a savior because you're a human being born on this planet. He's a savior for all people. 
So if you say, Jesus wouldn't save me, let me tell you the Christmas story is for you. And you need to understand this fundamentally. Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. Before he ever set foot on this earth, when he's still in his mother's womb, the, or, or, or before, right after he was born, I should say, the angel's first announcement to the shepherd is, hey, shepherds who are outcast, you need to understand something. This Christ child, this Messiah is not a Messiah just for the political elite, though he is. He's not a Messiah for the religious elite, though he is. He's not just a Messiah for the wealthy, though he is. He's a Messiah for all mankind. Your messy past doesn't keep Jesus Christ from being your savior. He'll save you where you are. That's what he's talking about. And the angels didn't understand that. From the beginning of the message, he was for everyone. Everyone. They knew him as a sovereign, but he'd be wrapped in swaddling clothes. They knew him in a way that we could not understand in his majesty, but we will know him and know him as a friend who sticks closer than a brother. It's life-changing. And that's the announcement of Christmas. He's a savior which speaks of spiritual salvation. Matthew chapter one, verse number 21, talking about Mary, she shall bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus and he shall save his people from their sin. Spiritual salvation means putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and having eternal life. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as your personal savior, we want you to understand Jesus Christ came to give you eternal life. You must, the Bible says in the book of John, you must be born again. Give your heart and life to Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. I plead with you today on this Christmas day, 2022, surrender your life to Jesus Christ and Christ alone. He's the savior of all mankind. Notice in verse number 11, unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior, which is Christ. The word Christ directs the mind of these shepherds back to the Old Testament where Christ was the promised Messiah. It's literally what the word means. It's a title. He's the Messiah. He's the promised one of the Old Testament. He's the one you've been waiting for. For thousands of years, the Jews have been waiting for the promised Messiah Ever since God clothed Adam and Eve after their sin in the garden, which is where the Messiah was first pictured and promised, ever since God took care of their sins and killed an animal and clothed them in the, in the skins of an animal, the Messiah was promised. And the angels are saying, hey, guys, this is the one that God promised all the way back there in the Garden of Eden. He is the Messiah. And folks, can I tell you today, Jesus is indeed the Messiah. And whether you've heard this message once or 1,000 or 100,000 times, it ought to bring great joy to your heart to know that the Savior of all mankind has left heaven. He came to earth 2,000 years ago. He died for your sin and mine. And anyone who will accept him as Savior, he promises to forgive them of their sin and give them eternal life. And then verse number 11, it says this, a savior, which is Christ. And it ends this title, Christ the Lord. 
And it's capitalized Lord because it speaks of God. Jesus is God. He was born not just a baby. He was born as the son of God in physical form. And in fact, the Bible says this about Jesus Christ in Philippians chapter 2, verse number 10. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things on earth and things under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. No doubt there are people here today who don't know Christ as their Savior. And maybe there's a drawing in your heart. Maybe you're resistant. I tell you today that one day you will bow before Jesus Christ, confessing him as Lord. My oldest uncle is Uncle Bob, Robert Thomas Chadwick, the oldest of the Chadwick clan. He's in his 90s now. He was a huge help to my dad. He was a surrogate father, my grandfather. My dad's dad was was a drunk. He was abusive. If you want to talk about bad home life, I could talk for days like many of you probably could. Robert Thomas is a self-made West Texas man. Uncle Bob, he owned a a bus stop, like a big-time bus stop in Shamrock, Texas, which was between Amarillo and Oklahoma City. He did very well financially, helped his family, had a lot of kids. But the one thing he doesn't have and didn't have is Jesus Christ. My dad got saved in the 1960s, right after Jesus was born. My dad got saved in the 60s. My uncle led my dad to Christ. And it wasn't long after my dad got saved that he and my uncle began to strategically witness to their brothers and sisters. And everyone got saved for real, pretty quickly except for my uncle Jamie who would eventually get saved. He's home with the Lord now. And my uncle Bob. And my dad was talking to uncle Bob one time. And my dad said to uncle Bob, he said, Bobby, you got to come to Christ. And my Uncle Bob said this, I believe everything that you say, but let me explain one thing to you, Gerald. And when your older sibling calls you by your first name with that certain inflection, and my sister is here, I know this, this tone. When they do it, they mean, don't bring this up again. And Uncle Bob said this, let me tell you, Gerald, I'll never bow my knee to any man. My dad, who was a young Christian and zealous beyond measure, looked at my Uncle Bob and he said, Bob, you may not bow your knee in this life, but you will definitely bow your knee in the life to come. Friends, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Don't think you can resist Jesus Christ. Oh, he's just this helpless little babe. We looked last week. No, he came as a mighty king. Babies aren't ever born kings and they're never born mighty. But when you're the son of God, you're born a mighty king. This baby created the world with the word of his mouth. This baby held the world in the palm of his hand. This baby holds our salvation. This baby is the keeper of our soul. This little baby is a mighty king and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And that's the announcement of the angels. And I want you to notice finally the accomplishment of Christmas. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill to men. 
In the record of human history, roughly 6,000 years leading up to the birth of Christ, the world had not known peace. And as a matter of fact, the time of Christ's birth was an era that is known as Pax Romana, which means Roman peace. Since 27 BC, about 30 years before Christ, Rome had supposedly, or I don't mean supposedly, but Rome had conquered the known world. There were no major wars during that time. But the absence of war does not mean a person has inner peace. You can be absent, we can be absent from war and there be no inner peace. Peace is a, is a most important concept. Peace is a most important gift from God to the believer. Matter of fact, Jesus said this, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Jesus is promising us peace, a God-given peace. I wonder today, there's some of you here today, if we were to sit down across the table and grab a cup of good coffee and just visit for a few minutes and we began to talk and I would ask you a question similar to this, like, do you have peace or is your heart troubled? The vast majority of Americans today would say, I don't have any peace. I don't even know what that's like to have peace. Brothers and sisters in Christ, can I encourage you? Jesus came that we might have peace, not the absence of difficult circumstances, but the presence of the Spirit of God who is inside of us. And that's what the Bible is saying about this Christ child, that he will bring peace, not simply peace on this earth, that's still to come, but he will bring peace in our hearts. Peace toward men. The fruit of the Spirit is peace. Peter said to the Christians in his general epistle in 2 Peter, chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Peace is the great indicator of whether or not you're walking with God. When there's no peace, it's an indicator that something's awry. Something's not where it's supposed to be. Philippians chapter four, verse number seven says, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. The word careful in Philippians chapter four, verse number seven is the word anxious. Anxious is an antonym for peace. It's the exact opposite of the word peace. He says, don't be anxious for anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And then it says this, and the peace of God, which passes understanding, shall keep your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. I'm not saying for a minute that this is always easy. There have been many times in my life that I've been less than at peace. Many times in my life where I've struggled but can I promise you this, that the Christ child come, came, 
And the accomplishment of the Christmas story is that you and I can live in peace. If you're here today and your heart is anxious and your spirit is is tumultuous and, and you're always eat up on the inside and you're always worried and fretting and, and, and stressful, can I, can I encourage you to come to Jesus and find the peace that passes understanding? We live in a world where we, where we promote this idea of being a little bit anxious and being a little bit worried and we act like people who aren't worried about stuff are really weird. Can I tell you, people who aren't worried about stuff might be weird, but if they're doing it the right way, they're weird with Jesus and they're peaceful. Peace is a great biblical concept. The Hebrew word that everyone in the Christian story would have understood is the word shalom, It means well-being, health, prosperity, security, soundness, completeness. Now remember that these shepherds were enduring a time when taxes were really, really high. We know something about that. Unemployment was high. Morals were slipping. They were in a military state. Roman law and Greek philosophy, even the Jewish religion, could not meet man's needs. Men were afraid and worried and wondering what in the world are we going to do? And the angels came and they announced glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. You see, Jesus Christ is the product of God's goodwill to mankind. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, if you will understand that you're a sinner, you violated God's word, you violated God's law, if you'll repent from that, if that means just to turn your heart from trusting in yourself in your own way, turn your heart from trusting in yourself and trust only in Jesus Christ, Jesus promises to show goodwill to you by redeeming your soul from hell and giving you eternal life and giving you peace with God. You say, no, I'm at peace with God. You might be at peace with God, but if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, God's not at peace with you. And when the judge isn't at peace with you, that's when you have to be worried. I don't know if you've ever stood before a judge. I have a few times getting my wife out of prison. Now, now I had to go to court a few times. And when you stand before a judge that's angry with you, it's a scary, scary time. God is the judge. And when he's at peace with you, all is well. And the angels came, and that's the announcement that the angels gave. That's the the accomplishment of Christmas. The Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, has come. The King of Kings, Jesus Christ, has come. The Lover of all mankind, Jesus Christ, has come. The Redeemer of your soul. Jesus Christ has come. So if you don't know Jesus today, can I encourage you to repent of your sin and trust him and him alone as your savior? I'll try to find a different path, friends. There's not one. I'll try to figure it out on my own. There's not one. God and I have come to an agreement. No, you haven't. There is no agreement with God. Jesus Christ is the only way. He is the only truth. He is the only way to eternal life. 
And what we like to do in America today is hear the truth and push it off and hear the truth and delay. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. And I guarantee you there's some folks in here today who go, I know I need to come to Jesus. I know I need to come to Jesus. I know I need to come to Jesus. And I'll do it next week. I'll do it next month. I'll do it when, I, when I, my job is good. I'll do it when my family is good. I'll do it when life is, is right. I'll do it when I've sowed my wild oats and then I can have my fun. And I've had my fun. Then I'll come to Christ. No, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Why? Because our life is a vapor. It appears for a little time and then it vanishes away. It's so brief. It is so brief. The accomplishment of Christmas is that the Christ child left heaven and came to earth so that you and I might have eternal life. In 1739, when Charles Wesley wrote, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, he had no idea it would become famous. He actually named it, Hark All the Weckling Ring. I'm glad we don't sing it that way. It's an ancient archaic term for the heavens. George Whitfield, the famous preacher, led the first great awakening, published it in 1753. And he changed the first line to, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And it remained to this day the same. John Wesley's hymn offers, up a good, offers up us a good survey of biblical theology. It mentions many of the names and the titles of Christ, King, Lord, Prince of Peace, Son of Righteousness, Everlasting Lord, Desire of Nations, Incarnate Deity, Emmanuel. After the first stanza is called to praise the newborn king, the following stanza celebrates the virgin birth, the deity of Christ, the resurrection of the body, the truth of the new birth. Two phrases in particular mean so much to me and deserve comment. Mild he lays his glory by. Jesus loved you and I so much, he laid his glory of heaven to the side to come as man, live in this sin-cursed world with all of its limitations and problems and live a sinless life and die that we might have eternal life. The other term that means so much to me is late in time, behold him come. Reminds us of Hebrews chapter one, verse number two, where we are told in these last days, God has spoken to us through his son. Oh Lord, when will you come back? It feels like we've been waiting so long. It's late in time. It does feel that way. But believer, be encouraged that the angels reminded us that though he has not come on our timetable, he's coming. He's not come in a timeline that we would have liked. We'd have liked him to come back in 1994, right after I got married. We would have liked that. But no, can I tell you this? He's coming on his timetable and he's coming. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, he's coming. He's already come to give you life. Trust him. He's coming again as judge. You don't want to meet him as judge. You want to meet him as Savior. You don't want to meet him as one you stand before to receive punishment. You want to meet him as one you stand before and give praise. Come to Jesus today. It's the song of the angels. Every week for the last three weeks, I've had Debbie close the service with a song that we would help us remember the story by or the account by. Today, I'm gonna to ask you to stand. So would you stand and join with us as the group leads us in, Hark the Herald, Angels Sing. Hark the Herald. 
mercy mild, God and sin is reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior. Our prayer is today that you'll find one of the pastors at the front or one of the many people walking around today with a lanyard that says, ask me about Jesus. You've heard the story of Jesus Christ. You know how to come to Christ, repent of your sin, ask Jesus to come into your heart and to save you. Now, we can help you with that, and that's what we're here for. You can come talk to me, any of these wonderful people on the platform, or anybody walking around with a lanyard that says, ask me about Jesus. You can literally talk to anybody at our church, but we gave you some specific people to find out. And these two guys are pastors down here, and they would love to take the Bible and show you from God's word, if you have questions, how heaven could be your home. Don't leave today. Don't leave today without making the Christ child, your king. Thank you for listening. Hear more messages today at CanyonRidgeBaptist.com. If you're in the San Diego area, please join us for a service. We meet on Sundays at 8.30 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and 5 o'clock p.m. Pacific time.